0: Hey, let's look together in 1 Kings chapter 10. We are, yes, as Mary said, so grateful. Got a speed the light vehicle out there that was a gift from the churches that is two years old, it's got 90,000 miles on it, and every every mile we uh, rejoice and praise the Lord. Such a good drive down this morning, I was telling some of the, some of the guys that uh, uh, Highway 99 has changed, it's been a game changer for us to get to you uh we'll get the bill later we just got a toll tag <laughs> that hurts but it sure feels good when you're zipping down here on a sunday morning and uh boy we just had some worship music playing and we're praying over the service felt led to share with you some things today that might be less akin to a sermon and more um just to a um a message i, I i'm going to i'm going to be honest with you I'm, i've been about 30 years in christ And the Lord has been very good to us and shown us many things. We've learned a lot of lessons through this time, but I'm learning a lesson again very recently that will um, feel to some of you elementary and probably to all of us. We could, uh, if we took a pop quiz, we could get the answers to this stuff right. But how many understand it's one thing to, to know it here. It's another thing to know it here and and I could I knew it here for a long time but recently I'm 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 learning it here and so we could say the difference between a a belief and a conviction because a belief you know you can you can say it and pass the quiz but a conviction actually changes the way you live and and so I want to share with you some pretty elementary stuff today but it's becoming for us a real conviction uh, we'll start with just one verse of scripture now king solomon did i tell you first kings 10:13 Now, King Solomon gave the queen of Sheba all she desired, whatever she asked, besides what Solomon had given her according to the royal generosity. King Solomon gave Queen Sheba all she desired, whatever she asked, beside what Solomon had given her according to the royal generosity. Lord, we pray that you would help us to understand even elementary things, but in a way that would actually change the way we live. Help us never be guilty of saying one thing and living something else. Lord, we want to be more than just hearers of your word, but we want to be doers of your word. So we ask, Holy Spirit, for real revelation today that changes us for your glory. Come, Holy Spirit, we need you. We pray this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. So we had a... um, incident recently, it was this summer, where a friend said, hey, I want to introduce you to one of my friends that you don't know, a friend of a friend. Um, to, I, I think it's somebody that could help you in your ministry. Now, what that means, as missionaries, we, we live by the generosity of the churches and individuals who want to propel the gospel uh, to the nation. So, in other words, this could be a potential supporter. Um, you know doing this thirty years, typically a friend of a friend um that rarely works out if i 'm honest with you, but it 's generally worth the lunch meeting to try and so I said sure and we we set up a a lunch meeting and went went to this meeting and and met this fellow who um a little little older than 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 we are i think um and um, he started asking questions about what we did and that he heard that we were we were interested in missions and, and advocates for missions and mobilizers for missions. And we, we, we said, yeah. And so we told him the story about Chi Alpha, the university students, university, the secular university campus, we believe, is the greatest training ground for the producing of missionaries to go to unreached people groups. The tension of that environment of the university campus is actually – a really good training ground. And people that do this here and win people to Jesus and make disciples here, they're pretty well suited with some contextualization and language development overseas then to plant house churches and make disciples that make disciples. And you guys know all of that. So we we shared that with this this fellow. He was surprisingly attentive and astute, understood everything we were saying. At the end of this lunch, he said, okay, listen, I, I, I hear what you're doing. I love what you're doing, and I want to help you. How can I help you? And this is like Missionary Life 101. You're, you're not supposed to say this, but I said, I don't know. I have no idea. You're supposed to be ready all the time with an answer for that and um, have a pledge form, in fact, and I did not. And, 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 and so he said, listen, let's, um, let's get our wives together and you think about how we could help you Continue to mobilize missionaries and then keep them healthy once they're there, because I I kind of enumerated that this was what was in our heart at this time. And don't have the time to tell all the backstory, but we actually, I think, last time we were here, Pastor told you that we had we've made a change in our assignment from Sam Houston State to a much bigger picture of again trying to mobilize missionaries and keep them healthy. So nonetheless, we got together in another two weeks. And at the end of this meeting, the first meeting, um, this is important for me to tell you, he, he, he looked at me, he said, think about what we can do to help you. And now listen, don't be bashful. Ask big. And I said, um, what does big mean? I, what does big mean, sir? And he said, big. And so I looked at my friend, our mutual friend. I said, What does he mean by big? And my friend said, He means big. <laughs> Later, I tried to ask my friend, What, what do you mean by big? Like, like, help me understand this. He said, No, the Lord will lead you. I'm just going to back out of this. And, you know, and so we went through, um, during this two week interval, we were dreaming about this new assignment and what, if, you know, what, if we had big help, we could accomplish. And so we, We went to the point of embarrassment big, and we wrote some things down on a a sheet of paper and folded that up, put it in a sealed envelope, and went to the dinner with this fella and his wife. And um, I mean, I was almost ashamed. The number was big on the the piece of paper. It was, in fact, it was about three times bigger than anything we had ever received in 30 years of doing ministry. Uh, In 30 years of doing ministry, at one time we had received a gift uh, I'll just be honest with you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw numbers around a little bit, okay? I was trying to avoid that, but I think it'll help make the point that at one time in 30 years, we had received a $10,000 gift, one time. And so we went about threefold over that, and were really embarrassed to write that down on paper and looked at it like, oh, this is, I can't believe we're being this bold. But he said it, and he said it, and so here we go. And this is for, for Jesus, not for us, so we're going to dream and we went to this meeting, and, um, and they said, okay, tell us, your, tell us your dream. And we began to tell them what we were thinking about and dreaming about, again, missionary mobilization, keeping our missionaries that are on the field healthy. And, um, and, and then we kind of pitched the idea, if we had some conference money to bring people together and invest in them, this would be, this would be very helpful for the long-term um, goal of reaching the nations and and they again both of them the husband and the wife were very attentive very astute and at one point basically just said I, I love what you're saying for this reason this reason this reason but you got the venue wrong because you can't do what you're trying to do in a hotel environment it's it's not the same what you need is a home environment where people feel at home and their their walls come down so we want to buy you a home so go find go go start shopping for a house. And, and then they set a budget that was 300000 not 30000 but 300000 So listen, let me just, for some of you, you I mean, those numbers don't, they're, they're not big to you. That's big to me. So in one fell swoop, what the, what the Lord did is, is, you know, we had had one gift in 30 years. He, he not only gave us the biggest gift we'd had in 30 years, but 100 times the biggest gift we'd had in 30 years. And just one fell swoop. Now, all of, this was, all of this was done in about a month, bought and paid for this, this incredible home on a lake in Huntsville, Texas, for missionary development and missionary health. And so, and it's already been used for the glory of God, like insanely used. The Lord is moving in this house. There's a peace upon this house. It's an incredible, incredible place. And missionaries come through by the dozens all the time and are staying in this place, and their, their hearts are healed, and then they're back on the battlefield for Jesus. Now, that, the thing is, that was just the beginning. Okay, that was just the beginning. We're, we're actually going to close on another home, Lord willing, in the next couple of days um, by different donors, different donors and what this other home is for is for missionary long-term financial health. So the rental income from this other home, it'll probably be young staff persons from Chi or students who will live in this home, but that money that's generated in this home will go into a matching fund to help our missionaries. If you don't know this, our missionaries who live overseas cannot buy property in the, the country of their endeavors. Um, we as an organization don't want any conflicting interests. You don't want a missionary staying on the field uh, because they've got too much money wrapped up in a house or two. Understand what I'm saying? It's a good policy. Um, we could talk about that later. But because of that, our missionaries are not building any equity and any sort of thing. They're not. They're, we're, we're trying to help them with retirement funds, but, but as far as a home, so what we're going to try to do is help our missionaries with matching funds to purchase homes stateside so that when their assignment on the field is done, they have a place to come home to, and then they'll rent that house out while they're gone. But, again, is that cool? That's cool? So, again, these were things that were probably, they were in our heart, very latent, but we would have never dreamt to ask for something like that. You know, for 30 years, we, we, I mean, we just never even crossed our mind that, that there could be provision for something like that. And And I could tell you other stories that have happened in about a six-month window that are just insane what the Lord is doing in providing for his heart for the lost and his heart for his kids who are forsaking everything to go and do the work of Christ around the world. So with that said, what, what, am, I, what am I learning? Well, it's interesting because when the Queen of Sheba came to Solomon, now, let me say this, forgive this for not being uh, so organized, but let me say this, that that day, that first gift happened, the $300,000 gift happened. On, on the way home from that meeting, Mary and I were looking at each other. I, I'll say this, okay? I'm going to be real with you. The first thing that came out of our, our, our mouth was, do we want a house? How are we going to pay the water bill? <laughs> and and it, To our credit, it only took us about, about two minutes to kind of slap ourselves and say, I think Jesus just bought us a house. He can pay the water bill. Right? Like, gosh, the disciples. You know, they're like, we have no bread. We have no bread. And Jesus is like, Did you see what happened with the five thousand? Would you shut up about the bread? We got plenty of bread, okay. And and then where was I going with that? The next, huh? That's where we're going. The sermon that morning. Here's what's interesting. We're driving home, and then I said, Mary something this morning that I think might be important. And actually that morning I had read, I was reading devotionals from a book by A.W. Tozer, one of our favorite authors in Chi Alpha. A.W. Tozer wrote a, a book called That Incredible Christian. Really not a great title for a book, but it's a great book. And they're two to three page devotionals, That Incredible Christian. And one of the devotionals, which i had happened to read that morning was called The Giver and the Taker," and. I'm being real with you. That morning when I read it, it was just another devotional. And it was okay. It wasn't great. It wasn't life-altering. That's what I'm talking about. You can believe something here but not really get it here. And I, I, I said, Mary, we need to read that again. Then I read it out loud to her. And our jaws dropped because it was so pertinent to what was happening. Then I read it again like three or four mornings in a row. And I probably read it 10 or 15 times since because it's this thing that I'm learning. And you can find this article online, free PDF, by A.W. Tozer called The Giver and the Taker. And so I just want to rush through this thing this morning, but you can read it in detail later. But what he says is this, the Queen of Sheba came to King Solomon and in this moment, Solomon represents for us Christ and Christ's kingdom. And the Queen of Sheba left her, her time with King Solomon with two kinds of gifts. The first is that it says that she, she got everything that she asked for. Everything that she asked for, King Solomon gave her. But then there was a second kind of gift that she got. Solomon also gave her out of the abundance of the royal treasury. It's almost as though the queen of Sheba came, and she had a list, kind of like that piece of paper that we had. And by the way, that smaller thing that we were going to ask for that we thought was so big, when when, when our, our donors kind of took over, we slipped that back off the table and put it in our <laughs> pocket without ever opening it or mentioning it. And to this day, it's not been mentioned. <laughs> it's almost as though the queen of Sheba... She, she said, I, here's, here's what's in my heart. I would love to see this, this, and this. And Solomon, again, who represents Christ for us, said, done. But before you leave, wait just a second. And he turns around, he gets off the throne, and he walks over, and he opens the door to the royal treasury, to the very storehouse. Again, for us, the storehouse of heaven. So it's as though you and I come, and we have, we have desires, and we have thoughts about how God might be able to use us, or what, mi- what might be able to happen with our lives, if, if the blessings of God were what we had hoped for. And Jesus says, done. And he says, but wait a minute. And he walks over, and he opens up the very storehouse of heaven. And the doors fling open, and the Queen of Sheba could have never dreamt what was inside the storehouses of Solomon's kingdom. Treasures that she could have never, ever imagined. He said, before you leave, I've done what you've asked, but let me do something else. And he just starts picking things off the shelf, and he just starts getting some cool stuff that she could have never even dreamt of. And he says, I want you to have this too. Now, I probably would have said I believe that before, but now I... I just, I believe it. Now I believe it. That what he has in mind is bigger than you could ask or imagine. He actually is able to do more than you could ask or imagine. And it's, his, it's actually his nature. You see, God is a giver. God is a giver. That's, that's who he is. God so loved that he gave his son. Now, be honest. Who among us would have ever dreamt to ask for the son of God? We would have asked for a sacrifice to cover, to delay wrath. To co- Who we could have never dreamt to even think to ask for a gift that extravagant, but when God gives, He gives His very, 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 very best. It's actually His nature to be a giver. Now, if all of this is true, then why is there so much spiritual poverty among us? Now, let's pause here for a second because you, you think I'm talking about money, and I'm not talking about money. I'm talking about much. How many understand money's like, money's. It's money. It's green paper, and we need it, and we use it, but it's not the substance of our life. And in the overall scheme of things, it's, 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 it's by far not the most important thing. But there are other things in your heart. There are, there are things in your heart that, that you and I want from God. Like, for example, um, Buddy prayed with me. To, to discern the voice of the Lord for a decision that I have to make in the next couple of weeks. One of the things that I'm asking God for right now incessantly is, is Lord, I want to I know your voice better than I've ever known it before. I, I, I want to hear your voice. I want to discern your voice. I want spiritual ears to hear what you're saying. I want eyes to see what you're doing. I want to walk in the spirit. I really want to walk in the spirit. And this is a desire of my heart right now. And you see, God has more of that to give me than I even know to ask. So there's, there's things that you have need of, and I'm telling you that God is a giver. So why is there so sp- much spiritual poverty among us? Now, here's the thing. It's always on the receiving end, not on the giving end. If there's a trouble, if there's a problem. The statement that Tozer makes is this. He says, the gifts of God are meted out according to the taker, not according to the giver. Now, think about that for a second. The gifts of God are meted out or, or, or given out or distributed according to the taker, not according to the giver. Now, when I first actually um, I, I first shared this with a pastor friend of mine, I actually changed the word taker. That's the one Tozer uses. And I said receiver because take, it, does it sound a little bit presumptuous? And, and my pastor friend, who's a better theologian than I am, he corrected me. And he said, no, you, taker is the right word because it's not passive. And, and actually there is something to that. And so the gifts of God are meted out according to the taker, not according to the giver. What does that mean? That means that you actually determine what you receive, not God. That's interesting. Okay, so one of the things, we travel all the time. We're always on the road. Just got back from everywhere, yeah. Won't, won't, won't even go down that road. Um, last night, flew in. Um, my house is, is actually just down the road from the main water treatment facility and storage facility in Huntsville, like three houses down. One of the things I love about my home is that it's got incredible water pressure. Like, when you turn the shower on, you better hold on, because it'll knock you off your feet. Have you ever had that experience where there's terrible water pressure somewhere? And it's so frustrating, because you can't even get the shampoo out of your hair, you know? And you just, like, it's dripping, and you, this is, you know, first world problems, right? Now, my parents, um, they're on well water, and and it's, it smells like sulfur, and it, it just kind of drips out. They have some wonderful things about their home, but water pressure is not one of them. All right. Now, if I'm at my house and, and it's dripping instead of flowing, I, I know this. At my house, it's never a source problem because the main water storage facility is right there. If, if, it's not, if the water's not coming through full force, it, there's a block in the line somewhere. There's a faucet problem. There's a, there's a plumbing problem. It's not a source problem. At my parents' house, it could be a source problem. At my house, it's, it's never a source problem. So what Tozer basically says is that if we're not receiving from the Lord those things that are necessary to do the things he's asked us to do or that are in our hearts, it's never, ever a source problem because God really is good. He really is a giver. And so he goes on, and and I promise this is not introduction to a five-point sermon, but let me give you five things that he says, and I promise not to delay on each one of them. But he he says there, there are reasons why we don't receive all that God wants to give. And he names five things. The first one is faith. And that makes sense. And basically what he says is this, that pretty much anybody this is my word, not his, he says pretty much any idiot can uh, believe if there is a God, he must have resources. And, and that's not a hard thing for most of us to believe. If there is a God, certainly he's got plenty to give. But the, the, the thing that cripples us in receiving, the thing that blocks the line, the water flow, is that we actually don't believe that he's good. For most of us, we believe he has it, we just don't know that he really wants to give it. And that, according to Tozer, is a different kind of faith. It's not enough to acknowledge that he has the resources and infinite resources. We have to believe that he's infinitely generous to bestow those resources. That's the kind of faith we're talking about. And that actually takes a different kind of faith, and that's the faith that was attacked by the devil in the garden. The idea that God might be withholding something from us because he's really not that good. But how many of you know he really is that good? And so, Father, get it out of here and put it in here. Show us, Lord, again how good you are. Mary and I were coming down this morning. What's that song that we were singing and just crying? The goodness of God. It's called The Goodness of God. Bethel music, I think, is what it was. The goodness of God. You have been so, so good. And your mind just goes back, doesn't it? Think about that for a second. If we were to enumerate what God has done for us in this place, I'm sharing one testimony with you, but we could all stand up and share testimonies of the goodness of God. And collectively, we have convincing evidence that he really is generous. He's a good, good father. So this is the kind of faith that we're talking about. Not just that he has it, but that he wants to give it. One thing God has spoken, two things have I heard, that you, O God, are strong and that you, O God, are loving. That means that he both is able and he is also willing. Okay, number two is capacity. All right, capacity. What what does that mean? Um, Yeah, Let me see that bottle of water. God is infinite, right? But though infinite, he can only pour so much into this limited receptacle. When... When we talk about capacity, we're actually talking about our hearts. Our hearts can only contain so much. The good news here is that our hearts are elastic, and I'm talking about our soul now, our spirit, the the inner man, can actually grow and develop. You're not fixed in your capacity. Isn't that good news? Like right now, we can only receive so much. I, I don't know if you've ever thought about this, but have you ever had this Thought just like, ugh, so frustrated with myself, so frustrated with my shortcomings, with my sin or with, with, with even with my lack of understanding. And I, I say, God, just fix me. Would you just zap me and fix me? Like, just, just do it all in one fell swoop. Do you, you know what we call that? We call that spontaneous human combustion. <laughs> Poof, you're gone. Like, <laughs> you can't. Thank God he's gracious, Right? Step by step, but what he wants to do is increase the capacity of our heart. And so there are there are times, honestly, when 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 we desire things, and the answer must be not yet. And I was telling um, one of my one of my friends, he's kind of like a father to me, in a lot of ways, about these gifts that have recently come, and and I'm I'm just expressing to him this that just. I don't know nothing for thirty years, and then bam, here it here it is, just like fire hydrant. And he says, "Well, you weren't ready." I said, "What do you mean? Excuse me?" <laughs> he says, "He says basically you you weren't ready yet to be able to utilize those things in the proper way." In your, in other words, he's saying your capacity was not such that you could have handled that without it actually doing damage to your to your heart. All right, so that that could be a whole sermon, but we'll leave it there. So faith. And capacity, but we're going to pray that God's going to stretch our hearts and increase our capacity. And the third one is, Tozer actually calls it receptivity. I've, I've, I've called it interest. But receptivity. Um, it's virtually impossible to receive anything in which we have little interest. So... We may come on Sunday and say, "Lord, would you but if 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 for the rest of the week or or the rest of the month or the rest of the year, we're not even mindful of that thing. We're not receptive towards that. We're not interested in that thing it's It's pretty hard for us to receive that thing. So what Tozer says in, about this, he says there it's hard to say how many world class musicians never were world-class musicians simply because when there was a a basketball game at the corner lot, that was more interesting to them than practicing their piano. And so as Christians, he says, we're, we're so enamored with the things of this world that we're not actually thinking about the things of God. And if we're not mindful, if our, you know, the Scripture says, set your mind on things above, not things below, if, if we're constantly distracted by shiny things, like I saw a new Jeep Gladiator just down the road here that was pretty awesome, kitted out with Rotopax fuel cells all over it. It looked like it was getting ready, probably just going to Starbucks, but looked like it was ready to go to the mountains, you know what I mean? And, and it catches my eye. And if those things catch our attention more than the things of God, it's very hard for God to continue to pour out his blessings. So again, this voice of God thing that I'm wrestling through and I'm praying through, the thing is I, I probably read five books on hearing the voice of God. And, and I actually didn't learn a whole lot, like, like new information, but one thing it has done is it's stirred my heart. And, and I'm persistently now looking and asking and thinking about the voice of God. And guess what? He's talking to me pretty clearly in moments. It's pretty clear. Like, do this. Tell me to just very clearly give three SALT scholarships the other day. That's a a conference that that our students go to. And it was just so so clear. And the number three was clear. And I just started giggling and laughing in this prayer meeting because it's so clear. But most of that is just receptivity. So what are our minds really on we say we hunger for more of God, but are we really hungering for more of God? All right, so faith, capacity, receptivity or interest. Then fourthly, responsibility. And boy, this one is important. The gifts of God, you see, are given to use, not to hoard. When they're not used and not used for the intended purpose, they atrophy. And you can read the parable of the Ten Talents. And selfish attitudes will always limit the blessings of God. Psalm 67.1 is is so wonderful. It's beautiful. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face to shine upon us. Isn't that wonderful? How many of us want... God to be gracious to us and bless us and make his face to shine upon us. The the, the face is the presence of God, the panem of God, the, the countenance of God. Smile upon us. But there's a so that. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face shine upon us so that your ways may be known on earth, your salvation among the nations. Isn't that good? God, be gracious to us. Bless us. Open up heaven. Pour out your blessings upon us. Make your face to shine upon us so that our neighbors can see the ways of God and the nations can know the salvation of God. So what we say is this. What God does in us, he always wants to do through us. And so the blessings of God, whether we're talking about finances, whether we're talking about the voice of God that I'm mentioning, or whatever, the other multitude of things that are in your heart right now, there's some things in your heart, and we're going to pray, and God's going to do some stuff this morning, okay? But it's always so that. It's always so that. Responsibility. Yeah, you have not because you ask not. When you do ask, James says you ask with the wrong motives that you may Spend what you get on your pleasure. And this is a limitation. Again, we're talking about there's never a source problem. It's always a blockage in the line. So responsibility or lack of responsibility can can constrict the flow of the gifts of God to us. And then number five, the last one, is simply gratitude. And God is wise. Um, And he rarely will give a second gift if we've neglected to say thank you for the last gift, right? He's he's wise, and and it may be it may be possible to be too thankful to God, but we ought to try, right? (laughs) We just ought to try, say thank you, thank you, thank you, all the time. Okay, I'll wrap it up with this, and then we're going to pray. In Mark chapter six, there's um, interesting occasion. In verse 51, This the context here is that after feeding the 5,000, Jesus goes up on the mountain. He sends the disciples across to the other side of the lake. They're rowing all night. It's a storm. Jesus walks on the water. They think he's a ghost. And he's climbed into the boat. You remember the story. He's climbed into the boat. And at this point in verse 51, it says, the wind died down, and they were completely amazed... For they had not understood about the loaves. Their hearts were hardened. It's always leapt out at me. It's, it's like they got a rebuke for, for being surprised that Jesus did a big miracle. Actually, a series of miracles if you read the whole story. They were completely amazed because or for they hadn't understood about the loaves. Their hearts were hard. It's like how do you how do you understand that? Now, be honest. If Jesus fed five thousand people with your lunch, would you be amazed? If if Jesus walked on the water, you know, and and calmed a storm, would you be amazed? And and it says it says they they were amazed because they didn't understand because their hearts were hard. And wrestling with this, um, I I think what it boils down to. The hardness of their hearts and and the amazement that came because their hearts were hard basically boils down to this idea. They were surprised when Jesus acted like God because they expected him to act like a person. Now, here's what's funny. Later, you know, Peter, who was one of these who was amazed because his heart was hard because he didn't expect Jesus to act like God. Later, you remember after he, he and John healed the crippled beggar? In, in the temple, and, and silver and gold have we none, but such as we have we give you. And everybody, a crowd gathers around him. Peter stands up in Acts 3.12, and he says, Fellow Israelites, why does this surprise you? As if by our own power we did this. This was done in the name of Jesus, the one who, when he shows up, he doesn't act like a man. He acts like God that's who he is. We're going to pray for you. And some of you in this moment, perhaps, if not now, tomorrow or the next day, you're going to be surprised. But as best as you can, when Jesus shows up and he acts like God, and he does what you could have never done for yourself, and only God could do, try not to be amazed. You're going to be amazed. (laughs) But you ought not to be. Because it's his nature. It's actually who he is. You see, the gifts of God are meted out according to the taker, not according to the giver. And my prayer is that you leave here this morning having received what's in your heart, to ask, but that Jesus himself will open up the very storehouses of heaven and give you what you could have never thought to ask for, so that his name will be praised in our communities and to the ends of the earth. Can we stand together? Okay, so I told you this is pretty simple, but, Lord, it's got to get out of our head and into our heart. That's called revelation. Holy Spirit, will you open our hearts? Lord, I invite you, I invite you to stretch our faith. Lord, we even say it right now, we declare it, that you are not only powerful, but you, you actually are loving that you not only have it but you are generous to give it. Lord that you we we declare right now in the face of Satan and every other lie that that you will not withhold good things from your children. We ask for bread, you're not going to give us a stone. That's not you. That's not that's not who you are. You're a good father. And we declare that, Lord, we ask you to reach down even now and begin to, to stretch the capacity of our, of our hearts, our souls, Lord, that, that we would be more like you, Jesus, that, that you'd grow us, Lord, in the grace and knowledge of God, that you'd develop us, that our capacity would increase, Lord, that we would not be the constricting element in what you want to do in us and then through us for your glory around the earth. Lord, I pray for my my friends, I pray that you would grab our interest. Lord, I pray that you would help us not to be so distracted by the temporal things of this earth. But that God, you'd lift our eyes up. That we'd see the eternal things, the things that really matter. The Lord would not be so um, forgetful like the person that looks in the mirror and walks away and forgets what he looks like. That we would actually, after a Sunday morning, after a service like this when we've worshipped you, we'd be mindful of you. Throughout not only the Sabbath, but every day. God, we declare that we will be responsible Lord, there are people here who need a financial miracle, and you're going you're to do that, Lord. We promise not to be selfish with that. We promise to be givers like your givers, Lord. God, I want to hear your voice, and I promise, I promise, Lord, to share that with those around me. I promise, Lord Jesus, to be responsible with your generosity. And then, Lord, just for a second here, we just want to say thank you. We just want to say thank you. You have been so, so good to us, Lord Jesus. You have been so, so good. (laughs) Mary said it earlier, Lord, we speak to the fact that when we were lost and we couldn't save ourselves, you came to the fight and to the rescue. What you did on the cross, Lord, we could have never done for ourselves. And we say, thank you, Lord. After your resurrection, you you sent the precious Holy Spirit to fill our hearts. You've given us power to be overcomers, Lord. And we say, thank you. We could have never done that for ourselves. We say, thank you, Father, for your wonderful gifts. We thank you for our health. We thank you, Lord, for your provision. We thank you for our friends. We thank you for our church, Lord. We thank you for the multitude of gifts every day that flow from your throne. Now, if you're here this morning and, and you have need of something that you know only God can do, would you raise your hand if you, you say, there's, there's something that is in my heart. Yeah, Lord, you, you see these hands, these hands that are raised are, are like the Queen of Sheba coming before the throne and saying, Lord, we have need. We have need to the best of our ability we've, we've removed any blockage and so Lord we brace ourselves because when we turn on the fountain the blessings of God are coming bless your people Father bless your people bless your people be gracious to them Let your smile, your face shine upon them, Lord Jesus, so that your ways will be known on earth and your salvation among the nations. We gladly receive from your hand today in the mighty name of Jesus. Look at me again one more, one more second here. Don't be surprised when he shows up and acts like God, okay? Don't be surprised. Just give him glory and let him be God because that's who he is. That's who he is. Can we sing with the worship team and praise to him?